Amen. All right. So on Sunday, uh, just a little recap, we talked about, you know, David and, and his his heart for God and his situation with Nob. And, you know, sometimes you don't really grasp the magnitude of that situation. You know, and when you think about David and how he blew it, you know, we just jumped to 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 um, to um, David and Bathsheba. But man, David, you know, was at a point where he allowed his his emotions, his fears, the, the, the rejection, the loneliness to drive him uh, to a point where he lied. And it caused many, many people their lives. And, um, you know, the thing I love about David, and as we're going to look at tonight, is that David realized the mess that he made, but then he turned back to God. And, you know, it is so important that we learn that lesson because we're sinners. We're going to blow it. And people are going to blow it. But turning back to God is always the answer. And realizing that sometimes he's allowing things to happen and we have no idea why. And sometimes it seems bad, but then he's also always at work. But David realized that in, and you know, in the beginning of First uh, Samuel twenty-three, we see him going back to inquiring of the Lord, inquiring of the Lord, and see, God wanted David to remember that that He was with him, and that sometimes when we're feeling things, and and our emotions are, are really high, uh, we've got to you know, not lean on our, on our emotions. We, it's, it's those times when we really, really need to, to, to get close to God and to get into his word. And so one of the things I want to talk about tonight is that, that quality of heart that David had that in spite of the situation with, uh, that he was in with Nob and then uh, the situation with, with uh, he and Bathsheba, David had a responsive heart, okay? He had a responsive heart. Okay, what are you talking about, Russ? Well, when he saw and he heard the word, he responded in a, in a right way. And he, uh, you know, he went back to, Okay, well, what what is what does God desire? What what is God's will? And you know, part of that was that his heart was broken and contrite. You know, brothers and sisters, this is so important because sometimes we want to change, but we don't want to really be broken. We don't want to have the con con contrite heart or, or realize, you know what? I'm really not resolved, so to speak. You know, I'm really not uh, over this situation or that. And not that we can just get over stuff, but part of what David was really good at was that he directed it towards his relationship with God. And when we have broken and contrite hearts, it opens up a door 
for not only us to get the help that we need, it helps God to get in and deal with some things that we need help with that we we may not even realize we need help with. And so um, as we think about this, I want to share a clip from one of my favorite movies uh, entitled Braveheart. Some of you uh, have probably watched this as well, um, but this is a uh, this is a classic. And in this particular scene, um, what's happened is that Robert the Bruce, who's a like lord in this particular area, is distraught while he's talking to his dad because he has just betrayed William Wallace because of his fear of losing his title and lands. And Robert's dad tries to console him by letting him know that he says, all men betray and all men lose heart, is what he said. And Isaac's response responds by saying, I don't want to lose heart. I want to believe as he did. And then he declares to his dad that he will never be on the wrong side again and goes on to to lead Scotland's effort to to be freed from the the English. So let's watch this clip and then we'll continue because I think it's a great illustration of what it means to have a broken and contrite heart. Uh, There we go. And this is a little graphic, um, so bear with me. But I think your face looks graver than mine. Son. 
must have alliance with England to prevail here. You achieved that. You saved your family, increased your land. In time, you will have all the power in Scotland. Lands, titles, men, power, nothing. Nothing? I have nothing. Men fight for me. Because if they do not, I throw them off my land and I starve their wives and their children. Those men who bled the ground red at Falkirk, they fought for William Wallace and he fights for something that I've never had. And I took it from him when I betrayed him and I saw it in his face on the battlefield. And it's tearing me apart. Well, all men betray. Or lose heart. I don't want to lose heart! I want to believe as he does. I will never be on the wrong side again. Is a metabolism killer. This is a metabolism killer. And even this is right. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but you know, when you, you see that 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 just exemplified the the spirit, the the, the attitude. Of, of brokenness, of recognizing what he had done in betraying William Wallace. And if you haven't seen the movie, I, you know, you can see it. But the, the point is, David had a broken and contrite heart. And brothers and sisters and guests, if you're visiting, this is a quality that God loves because he can work in that heart. And, and so I want us to look at 2 Samuel chapter 11. And, uh, and we're going to read some here. 2 Samuel chapter 11. And uh, again, Nino did a, a masterful job um, explaining this the, uh, the other day, uh, Sunday at service. Um, but 2 Samuel chapter 11, let's read together. Okay. It says, in the springtime, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David stayed in Jerusalem. Verse two, one evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of, his pal of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone out to, uh, fi to find out about her. The man said, isn't that Bathsheba, the daughter of uh, Elam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Hint, hint, David, 
Then David said, sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David saying, I am pregnant. So David sent this word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent him to David. When Uriah came to him, David asked him how Joab was and how the soldiers were and how the war was going. Then David said to Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah left the palace and a gift from the king was sent after him. But Uriah slept at the entrance to the palace with all the master's servants and did not go down to his house. When David was told Uriah did not go home, he asked, haven't you just come from a distance? Why didn't you go home? Uriah said to David, the ark and Israel and Judah are staying in tents, and my master Joab and my Lord's men are camped in the open fields. How could I go to my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? As surely as you live, I will not do such a thing. Verse 12, then David said, stay here one more day, and tomorrow I will send you out, I'll send you back. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. At David's invitation, he ate and drank with him, and David made him drunk. But in the evening, Uriah went out to sleep on his mat among his master's servants. He did not go home. In the morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it with Uriah. In the letter, it, he wrote, put Uriah in the front line where the fighting is fiercest, then withdraw from him so that he will be struck down and die. So while Joab had the city under siege, he put Uriah in a place where he knew the strongest defenders were. When the men of the city came out and fought against Joab, some of the men in David's army fell. Moreover, Uriah the Hittite died. Joab sent David a full account of the battle. He instructed the messenger, when you have finished giving the king this account of the battle, the king's anger may flare up and you may he may ask you, why did you get so close to the city to fight? Didn't you know that they would shoot arrows from the wall? Who killed Abimelech, the son of Jerob, uh, Jerob Beth, uh, Besheth? Didn't a woman throw an upper millstone on him from the wall so that he died in Tebez? Why did you choose, why did you get so close to the wall? If he asks you this, then tell him also your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. The messenger sent out, and when he arrived, he told David everything Joab had sent him to say. The messenger said to David, The men overpowered us and came out against us. Uh, in the open, but we drove them back to the entrance to the city gate. Then the archers sh shot arrows at your servants from the wall, and some of the king's men died. Moreover, your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead. David told the messengers, say this to Joab, don't let this upset you. The sword devours, as, uh, devours one as well as another. Press the attack against the city and destroy it. Say this to encourage Joab. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. After the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased 
the Lord. You know, one of the things I love about the Bible is like, you can't make this up. And here God is telling us, this is a man after his own heart. And we saw the situation that David had gotten into uh, with Nob and how he lied. And now he is just plowed through all of the, the, the Ten Commandments. I mean, he is just lost it. And it's almost like he went and, and stepped further and further away from God and went into darkness. And for some reason thought, well, nobody's going to know. And, and then to come up with that complicated scheme to try to cover things up, it just says, wow, we have to guard our hearts. We seriously have to guard our hearts. Because if this could happen to the man after God's own heart, what about us? But here's the thing. I, I want to look at is if you go to Psalm 51. So this situation happens. Go to Psalm 51. And we know that um, that God sends well, God sends Nathan to David to you know confront him about what happened and uh, and we're going to read that in a minute but I wanted to read this for a second because I think it's fascinating Psalm 51 I'm getting there there we go okay and so it says, for the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. So David writes this psalm. So I want you to, you know, let's participate here. When... Do you think David wrote that psalm? And I think this very interesting. When the prophet Nathan came to Dave, came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And if you look back here in Psalm 51, it says here, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned. Really? and done what is evil in your sight, so that you approve right 
when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in my inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you've crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. First, verse 10, <clears throat> excuse me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Again, I think this is such an amazing psalm because David says a few things that, you know, you're thinking, what? Against whom uh, or, or against you, you only have I sinned. David, you sinned against a whole lot of people here. Um, but the way that he was focusing his attention was on his relationship with God. And so, you know, I wrote down some questions here and I, I want you to you know, take a picture or whatever, but I want you to go back and read it and then answer these questions for yourself. How would you describe David's state of mind and heart as he writes these words to God? Against whom has David sinned? Upon repentance, what does he promise to do? And here's another question. Why do repentant people try to help others to repent. And then a little more personally, how do you help someone to repent? And why is it pleasing to God when we have a contrite and broken heart? Again, just some things to, to think about. But Let's uh let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 12 and um continue to read here. So let's look at this together. 2 Samuel chapter 12. Let's read this together. I'm going to read verse 1 through 13. Okay. All right. Verse one. It says, the Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it up and it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank 
from his cup and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come, who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, he's still talking about the Lord, surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and, and Judah. And if all that had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of your own household, I am going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes, I will take your wives and give them to one who is close to you and he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. And here's what is so amazing. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. You know, if David was in our church, <laughs> he, he would have been disfellowshipped. And I'm not trying to be funny, but I'm saying, how does God say what he said to him? God, God showed amazing grace in spite of just a terrible, terrible situation. But there's a couple things I want us to look at here in chapter 12, verse 7. God shines his light of truth on David. And David is busted. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. You know, sometimes when you're exposed, you can either humble out or go into denial and get really hard, right? David chose to humble out. But then I want you to think about 
How, how is God kind to David? You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter two, verse four, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? And so there was something that David must have got. I'm not really sure, but he just humbled out. And for all of the things that he did that should have cost him his life, God spared his life because he, he saw something with that heart, which I believe was that broken and contrite heart. You know, verse, verse 9 through 11 says that he despised the word of, of God. And, you know, brothers and sisters, sometimes it is so easy to go through the motions. It's very easy to become religious and not allow the word of God to still be the, the authority, the thing that just stops you in your tracks and says, wait a minute. How am I behaving? How am I acting in accordance to, to what God's saying? And so when David heard the truth, you know, it doesn't say he got defensive, but I think it was kind of interesting that Nathan had to tell him a little story first to just maybe soften him up. But when he heard the truth, look at how he responds. But here's the other thing. Sometimes God puts people in our lives that need to help us see something that we can't see or correct us in a way. This was a kindness. Nathan was a blessing to David. In fact, you find that David ended up naming a kid after Nathan that he had because he appreciate and now you know i'm i'm kind of you know throwing my inference in there but he named a kid after nathan because i think he appreciated that he was courageous enough to say what needed to be said you know we we need that we need those types of relationships in our in our lives and Believe it or not, God has put people in our lives for, for this very reason. That when we get off track, man, it's great to have a friend that says, whoa, whoa, wh what did you just say? Or what was that? What, what's going on? And again, it doesn't have to be this aggressive kind of, but it's, it, it, it's, it's a, a willingness. It's something that, hey, I think I'm seeing something here, or I've noticed this, or I've noticed that. David responded so well, and I just can't believe that God just forgave him. And, and I think it's amazing because God also will not be mocked. You know, 
do you notice in that passage, and I think this is interesting, God talks about what David did, but why does God make it a point about David's secret sin? Look at this. He says, you did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. And I'm thinking, wow, God is serious about secret sin. He's serious. And especially his position and, and what he was, was, was able to, you know, think he was getting away with. God said, I'm going to bring it out. And I'm going to help you here. And gosh, that must have been so humiliating. That was a kindness that David needed because he got so far away from God. Brothers and sisters, you and I, we have two vital things. We have the word of God that if we continue to allow it to not just talk to us, but to change us, to, to stop to dwell on what is God saying to me? Where, where am I not dealing with whatever I need to deal with in my life? What, what, what am I avoiding? God's like, that's exactly where I want to go. That's exactly where I want to get to. And I want to help you so that you can grow in this particular area in, in your life. David, again, he suffered the consequences of his actions. And, you know, you read the rest of the book and it's like, wow. But he's still known as the man after God's own heart. You know, uh, as I said before, in, in chapter, um, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, you know, God called Nathan to to go and talk to him. Nathan was like a mentor. Nathan was like a spiritual mentor in David's life. We all need spiritual mentors, but church, we need to be spiritual mentors. You know, I really want to challenge us to think about who whose life am I in? Who who am I helping in their walk with God? If we're not helping somebody how can we change that? How can we position ourselves to be in someone else's life so that we can help them in their journey? Or maybe it's their marriage. But David, because for whatever reason, he strayed from God's plan for his life, got into sin. Nathan was there to help him to get back on track, to take responsibility for his sin against God. And David repented. And that's the beautiful part. God wants us to repent and wants that to be a, a joyful thing. You know, last scripture here, Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2. And what we're going to do in a few minutes is... Um, we're, we're, we're going to break into breakout rooms, but I want to ask you a question to think about. 
how can you surround yourself with relationships that share God's vision for your life and that will help you fulfill whatever that vision is? Because it is so important that we get this relationship part on because we're, we're in this together and we need each other more than we realize. I, I know that I, I, I really deeply believe that. And, and the guys in my life team, man, we talk about that every week. But here's the scripture I want us to, to think about. Isaiah 66, verse 1 and 2. It says, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Let that be who we are as disciples of Jesus. Now, we're not carrying around secrets and we're not, you know, no, we're walking in the light because, wow, God, you give us an opportunity to not only change, but we can show other people how to change. We can show other people how to overcome. But let the word, let that always affect us. You know, again, I I, I don't want to um, become stagnant, you know, and, and go through the motions. I want to continue to just grow and keep, you know, okay, man, I blew it again. Sari, I'm sorry. Forgive me. You know, but I want to have that heart doubt. That's what David was like David chose to devote himself to being close to God. And I want to encourage us as well. Let's devote ourselves to being close to God. God, what are you, what, 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 what do I need to see here? You know, that prayer that he prayed, right? Um, help me develop the kind of heart that David had because he demonstrates by his example a heart for God. He had various re um, relationships. He had that relationship uh, with Jonathan, who was a peer. He had relationship with Abigail, who was a partner. He had relationship with Nathan, who was like a mentor. Man, God's given us everything that we need so we can thrive, so that we can not only help ourselves and help each other, but there's a lost world that has no hope. And God says, you are the hope. And so we're going to break out into, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to break into breakout rooms uh, in, in a moment here and, um, and just spend some time praying together about just God helping us with our hearts. And uh, again, prayerfully, we can be known not as just uh, 
this nice, awesome church. But no, people who love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that we're trying to help people know this God that we've gotten to know. So let's pray together. And then, Rob, you can... Um,